Welcome to another episode of Mama Earth Talk. I'm your host, Maris Ganal. Realizing just how much waste we generate on a daily basis, I've set a personal goal not only to reduce, reuse, and recycle, but to also educate the world about sustainability and how each of us can help preserve our beautiful planet. Thanks for listening. Let's dig in. So today we are talking about a topic that might seem a bit strange to you at first. Ladies, I am sure you would all benefit a lot from this. And guys, I'm sure this will give you a little bit of a better insight as to what we go through every month. And maybe you will look at us ladies a little bit more appreciative. So let's dig right in. Did you know the average woman uses more than 11,000 tampons or pads in her lifetime? Taking into account the price of tampons or pads, panty liners, painkillers, birth control, chocolate, acne medication, and heating pads, your period could cost you well over $18,000 over the course of your lifetime. Our guest today is the founder of Women's Space, the purveyor of womb wisdom, keeper of women's mysteries, and menstrual mentor. Crazy birds, without any further ado, I would like to welcome Vanessa Woodthrop Wright. Hi there. <laughs> Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Vanessa, mm -hmm. would you mind telling us a little bit how your sustainable journey actually started? Well, my sustainable journey for Mother Earth started as a byproduct, actually, for a sustainable journey of my womb. I was told by a doctor quite a few years ago that to help me with my endometriosis, I needed to have a partial hysterectomy. And so this started me on a path to find out, rather than to find out what the cure of my endometriosis was, was to find out what the cause of it was. And so I started to read and ask and look for questions. And I kind of got quite a few downloads coming to me saying, well, it's because you hate it so much. I absolutely used to despise my period and it hurt it was inconvenient it was smelly it was disgusting i ever since you know my first blood when i was 13 it was called a curse i i hated it absolutely hated it and so you know i was told after you've had children it'll get better four children later i still wasn't better i mean that wasn't the only reason i had the kids but uh, i i still was in huge amounts of pain swelling bloatedness uh, just just all of that heavy heavy blood flow so I decided that I would give myself six months to see if I could shift something, you know, because what, what did I have to lose? So I ordered some cloth pads, and the reason for to order the cloth pads was because I, I realized that, you know, the tampons and the pads that I were wear, was wearing were, were filled with chemicals, and I thought they probably weren't doing me any good. And also I used to suffer with quite a lot of irritation. I switched to the cloth pads, and so, you know, that, that was the start of that journey. And then it wasn't until I was studying for my master's in San Francisco and I was studying with a teacher called Starhawk and she was teaching us about ecofeminism and um, 
I can't remember what she was teaching me. She was a very good teacher. <laughs> she still is. Um, so, but we were talking about ecofeminism, and she asked me questions or asked us questions like, where does your rubbish go? Where, where does your water come from? Um, how can you make less waste? And, and so she really started to wake that up in me. And so what I realized at that point was that actually the pads that I was using had huge bonuses to help the planet, to assist the sustainability of the planet, or the sustainability of us on the planet, because she isn't going to go anywhere. It's just us lot that are going to suffer. It was the beginning with my menstruation and my womb, and then that led to me uh, thinking more about the planet, because obviously by that point, my womb was a huge amount better. Um, So, you know, I still have my uterus, and that's five six years on and I'm pain-free so that's amazing yeah because I think when a woman kind of talk about her period it's usually done in kind of a shy way Mm -hmm. you know we kind of often try to avoid the topic and it just kind of seems sometimes that that is not a topic that's really open for discussion you know when you're amongst people that's not your closest friends what is your kind of take on this whole thing how what society has been kind of showing us like you know this is not open for discussion topic okay well if people ask me what do I do I do know that I kind of take a deep breath and kind of go here we go and I sort of I'm a menstru I work in menstruation and it can either be a conversation killer there and then and people kind of go hmm and walk off some people have even you know they get really quite angry about it which is is really quite bizarre to imagine and then there's other people that it suddenly opens this huge space of just real intimate, vulnerable sharing at where they haven't been able to talk about that stuff before. And and what happens is they share their stories, they share their blood stories. And, and you can see in that moment when they're sharing it that huge healing's happening for them and and for for the collective. I mean, it, it's a huge shift to, to be speaking about blood uh, that has been taboo for so long. Us in the West, we think that, oh, it's not, it's not taboo for us. It's only taboo in India or it's only taboo in other places where you're not allowed to do certain things or you're not allowed to go into a temple or you're not allowed to touch holy books or you're not allowed to do certain things. That makes it taboo. But, you know, the taboo is with us in the West because we pretend we don't have it. We go to great lengths and take great risks to appear that we don't bleed. Um, that's from either taking pills or, uh, you know, there's this little thing that they put in your arm now and that can prevent you from bleeding. I mean, it's, you know, it's, 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 it's a version like the coil, um, but now it's just this little little thing that, that, yeah, they insert and you can't really remove it other than having it like, you know, taken out by a doctor. And, and then, you know, and, the, and then we have tampons and we have Panadols and painkillers and, you know, and, and there's this whole thing about the advertising around menstruation. It's like, oh, well, you know, I can still wear my white trousers and run along the beach looking absolutely sexy. It's just like, who wants to wear white trousers and run along the beach looking sexy when you're your period? I mean... Mm. I don't. But then does that make me less of a woman? Does that like make me less attractive? Does that what does that do? What does that say? So there's a huge amount of politics that come up as well along with the taboo because then you start asking questions, well why is there a taboo? Why if half the population, over half the population bleed, then why on earth are we keeping it secret? And then you think about, well, how does this secret affect us? How does it how does it affect our health? How does it affect our lifestyle? Menstruation is not just about the bleeding time, it's about your whole cycle. And, and a cycle is cyclical. 
And so we have our ups and we have our downs. And so why on earth are we pretending to just be straight? I mean, when I started on this journey, if you had said to me 15 years ago, you were going to start, you're going to be working in menstruation, I would have laughed because it was just like, absolutely no way, I can't stand it. But having moved into this space and opened that can of worms or Pandora's box, if you like, uh, there's just so much in there and and it keeps coming out. Even, you know, every day there's, there's more stuff that I find out about why there's taboo or or um, the problems that the taboo is causing or or the, the 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 lengths that women go to to cover up this whole thing that we bleed yeah you wow. know it's, it's like if you get your period and you're out I mean you, we go to great lengths to sort of like stuff the tampon up our sleeve or you know hide it so that we can get to the toilet or if you've lost you, or you, ha- you haven't got a tampon and suddenly you're you find that first day of blood excuse me have you got have you got and, and it's just, it, it's like, why is it so secret? Yeah. Why? And if we look at one of the things that you also mentioned um, about like tampons, you know, studies have shown that more than 70% of women actually uses tampons. Mm-hmm. And although there are many other studies that then has kind of shown us that it's really not that great to actually use these tampons that's normally filled with all sorts of chemicals. Therefore, if you had to compare, like kind of using the tampons and using pads, or you know, you even get the diva cups, like what what is your kind of take on that? Okay, well firstly, I'd like to say that it's 70% of women probably in the West because tampons are not the, the main item to use in, in many countries. So I think I think we're talking more about about us us Westerners, and I think that you know yeah we've we've got the tampons that are like you say full of chemicals and they are you know they're they're made of cotton, hopefully um, you know we don't get to know what they are made out of because no one writes on the boxes what the ingredients are, so we lovingly trustingly put them up inside us. I don't necessarily think we lovingly do that. Um, <laughs> But you know we uh, we we trust and and then you know we we wear them and you know and then it's it, it, we know we we've been told you know there's there's all of these issues that we can we can get from wearing tampons but they they serve a purpose they help us forget that we're flowing um, a lot of women say oh I couldn't wear a pad because I'd feel the flow um, you know that that gush when you stand up it's like oh. Um, how do you cope with that? And and the thing is, it's it gets to a point where it's just a shift. It's a it's a mental shift and it's a physical shift. In that, when I stand up now and I feel a flow, I literally don't go, oh god, that's horrible. I go, oh wow, what have I just let go of? And so I actually really enjoy the idea of flowing because I also think that if we weren't meant to flow, then the place that we would bleed from would be like on our shoulder or something, mm. <laughs> pointing upwards. But no, it's pointing downwards towards the earth. So I sense that there is a reason for this, and that is that our blood should return to the earth. Now that could be really out there and hippie, but just bear with me. So here we are with our blood, and it's flowing downwards. And, you know, there's a whole idea of when we bleed, we are more connected to our wisdom. We are... Um, able to sort of like download information through dreams or through through visions or or just just you know connection to, to our inner knowing 
And we can't do that if we're rushing around like crazy, crazy birds. <laughs> um, we can't do that running around like, like, like crazy women uh, and blocking up our blood. We're kind of missing out on that, those, that moment where we can, we can actually glean what, what we should be gleaning from this, this cycle, this, this power that we have inside us. And, you know, some people say power. And it's like, well, yeah, that's where babies are, are birthed. And if it's not a baby that's being birthed from that space, then it's huge ideas. I mean, we all came from that space. So even if you're not producing babies from that space, you were a baby and you came from that space. So this space is where miracles happen you are a miracle. It's stepping into that and then understanding why would we want to block anything that was coming from that space, that connection to the cosmos, that space within, within a woman, you know, that's at the center of a woman and how amazing does that make a woman? That's very true and I feel, you know, um, it's again, it comes back to we are kind of like, I don't know, it just feels like when, when it is your period, you kind of have to like what society tells you is you know it's your period and you are a woman you have to work twice as hard to actually compete with men so you cannot use this as an excuse because you know life goes on you need to just put a tampon in and carry on that's kind of the idea that i've always gotten and the idea you know that's kind of how i went through my first well many many of those periods mm. where when you have that you kind of you know just go on and you you just feel like well i can't i can't slow down like you know i can't not do this today so you kind of just go on and your body is like taking the punch for everything that you just have to do mm-hmm. well the thing is you've got to remember that feminism moves it's moving in, in you know, it, it's progressing. And so if we look back to our mothers, uh, you know, and the, the, you know, the feminism, the first wave, the second wave of feminism, you've got women that are having to do to prove that they can be as, as efficient, that they can work as hard and that they can do what a man can do. But the thing is, you know, it's evolving. And what is coming into like the third wave of fe- feminism is that, well, where is the woman? Where is the woman in this? And because a lot of women, we're we're trying to be very masculine to be able to be taken seriously. And that's because society has has said, this is how you have to be in the office, or this is how you have to be to be successful. And we all know that, men as well. We all know that we've got to push, 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 push. And it's it's hard work. And and so, you know, there's coaches out there helping people find their work-life balance. And, you know, and that is an issue that's out there in the world for us we kind of try and, and make more money and we're trying to, to prove and we're trying to, to, to become equal. And, and the thing is, it's, it's on somebody else's terms. So now with all the, what, uh, the holistic approach to living, it's, it's starting to, to ask questions of, well, hang on a minute, where am I in this? Where, where are my needs? And so if a woman actually asked what her needs are, would it be that she needs to use tampons and take Panadols and get to work and prove a point? Or would it be that actually what I need right now is I just need a couple of hours to kind of have a hot bath and then I'll be at work a little bit later. Or, you know, maybe just that one day a month you you say, right, I I need that day off, but you know what? Middle of the month when I'm ovulating, that's when I'm going to really, 
I'm going to really kick some. Mm -mm. We have these superpowers, you know. Okay, so during our menstruation is when we're supposed to slow down and connect and, and be more inwards. But, you know, halfway through our cycle when we're ovulating, that's when our egg is going, hey, I'm feeling amazing. My skin is looking great. My hair is looking great. Everything's working. Oh, my gosh, I can talk without falling over my words. And it, it's, it's, you're powerful in that time because what you're actually trying to do is attract someone to come and fertilize that egg um, and it's a natural way of, of being at, at that time of the month and so it's a natural way of being at your bleeding time of the month and so women when women start to to understand their cyclical rhythms and they start dancing that cyclical rhythms they get up times and they get down times and there's rest and there's play we all know that if we rest we can play harder, um, you know, and playing harder the whole time, we, you know, we're going to burn out, burn out. Yeah. that's it. So it's, it's just, it's our body's way of, of telling us, oh, you up there, what are you doing? You know, you've mentioned like the pads and stuff. So you actually created your very own <laughs> yes. range. Um, so you created the rose pads a few years ago. Mm -hmm. And what, what exactly is that? Okay, well, the reason I created the rose pad was because there was no one else selling them here. And because the, the pads that I could get hold of, had uh, they were quite warm fabric. Whereas I thought in this country it would be really quite a good idea to have cotton. I also was looking at the pads, uh, the, the disposable pads that you buy, and they're white. And so they look like huge plasters, really, and they're covered in plastic. And, you know, and, and it's quite interesting because you were saying it's 11,000. From the research I've done, it's actually, I've worked out, and from my own use of pads, was 17,000 pads oh, that lot. you can use in your lifetime. Um, and that's without the liners that a lot of women are wearing during the month as well, which I, I didn't realize so many women actually used. But, you know, some women are getting through four or five panty liners a day every day and each one of those panty liners has plastic on the back wow. um, and their doctors are, are, are usually telling them that they shouldn't be wearing them because these women that are wearing these pads tend to have irritation because of the of the I guess because of sweating and because of the absorbency of the pad it's drawing out the moisture and so it's making you very dry down there. So those pads are cloth menstrual pads uh, you wash them and you reuse them and the material the fabric that we use is highly absorbent and it, it's efficient in the fact that when you bleed onto it it distributes the blood throughout the pad and so when you sit down you don't get a squelch when i was first making the pads i was testing the pads a bit like Padman, if anyone's watched the movie. Um, I was Pad Woman. It's only so many days a month that you can test your pad, so that's when I was doing it. Uh, so I had to wear a, a, a jumper around my waist to uh, hide any any issues. And yeah, and so it was it was testing out different fabrics and and trying to work out because there was no no place to go to say oh. What, what fabric do I use? You know, because nobody's talking about this stuff. Yeah. Um, well, you know, type into Google, what fabric can you use in? I mean, maybe you can now, but it definitely, like six years ago, that wasn't, wasn't the wow. case. And so, yeah, so I, I import the fabric because I found it to be uh, the most absorbent and uh, most quickly absorbent because you don't want it to be wet. You don't want to feel like you're wet. Yeah, and, that, and that's it. And then what I've done with the shapes and the sizes is that we're not all the same shape and some women bleed more to the front, some women bleed more to the back. 
I'm having to kind of cover this. So I've, I've created different sizes and different shapes. That One size is a straight shape because I felt like that was a stepping stone from the disposables. That's what people are used to. And then I got creative and started kind of getting a bit more fancy because I thought, well, if you're going to put a pad there, you may as well make it really pretty. You know, some of the designs were, were way off. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, it, it, then I had to kind of narrow it down and say, okay, this is, this is the one. I'll, so I've, I've got three different designs now. And then moving forward, I have made um, slight, slight alterations on my next batch of pads. Oh, cool. um, so, you know, I'm constantly trying to improve. So when people look at your pads, I mean, so you've got the straight one, which you've just said, you've got the curve, the fancy and a gliner as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so typically what what pads would we need for like, depending on your flow or like if I say, if I wanted to buy one now, mm-hmm. like what do I need to consider? I know people can buy the pads off your website as well. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so what are things that, that they can look out in order to find the right one for them? Well, or do, is it a combination? Do you have different ones during during your cycle or? Yeah, well, I mean, the, the, the salesperson would say, right, you have to buy this many and then they would might be waste, okay? So as the non-salesperson that is me unfortunately start by wearing one at night time and so you'd get a slightly bigger one because I think also if you're wearing tampons or cups during the night time you're not necessarily quite sure how much you're going to be flowing into a pad so you, you get maybe a couple of, of nighttime pads and start the process there and then on your day off or a time when you're at home, you know, go for uh, like a nine and a half heavy pad and see how you're coping with that. Is it long enough? Because if it's not long enough during your heavier day, then it would be long enough probably on your last day. So it's not going to be a waste. The liners or the G-liner, the G-liner is for a G-string. So if you're wearing one of those, one of those ones that are sort of, you know, <laughs> your bottom, um, then that's designed for, for that. And they're therefore wearing during the um, during the month for, um, I don't know if I'm allowed to say this on here, am I? For other fluids that come out from between your legs. Um, <laughs> yeah, so, uh, so, so yeah, so, so the, the liners are for that, so th- there's not much absorbency there. So they can also be used, you know, like when you're out and you've, you can have it in your handbag and you just get your period. So rather than stick a wad of tissues there, mm. you could put your little liner there okay. until you get home and then you know that it's going to all start flowing. Um, or at the end when it's just spotting, then you could wear a liner then. But forget wearing a liner in the middle of your flow it wouldn't do anything so yeah so I, I, I suggest you know like you get a liner for that to, to keep in your handbag you get a couple of, of night times and then and then you start to know your flow a little bit more and then I think you gradually build up to probably about 10 or 15 pads um, and that's depending on how often you want to wash them how much choice you want to have. I mean, there's some women, they, they love them so much that they've got so many different patterns uh, because, you know, they're, they're matching it with their underwear or they're matching it with how they're feeling. And, you know, there's a lavender one, so they want it to feel calm. Or, you know, there's a sparkly one, not sparkles as in, you know, glitter on it, but looking like sparkles. Um, so then they might wear that to a party. <laughs> you know, it's it's wow. just, it's it's accessorizing with, with pads, which is a whole new way of being with your blood as opposed to wearing a sticky plaster or a sticky band-aid that is filled with chemicals got plastic on it and stinks 
Exactly. Because it does smell. And when you wear the cloth pads, there is no smell. And the benefits, the benefits are huge. I mean, I've had women say they used to suffer with migraine, and now they don't. And then I've had people say that their periods have got shorter in length. And then they're saying that um, they're not quite so heavy. And then, then other women are saying that it's just the relationship has changed with their menstrual cycle. They're now appreciating their blood flow and they're appreciating their power. Um, so it's, it's like, I feel like when there's pain down there and we're suffering either with premenstrual tension or bloatedness or period pains, cramps, whatever you want to call it, we get rashes or acne or our hair gets greasy or, or, or we get mood swings, then it's our body's way of speaking to us. And exactly. it's, it's just a case of, of listening to that body and saying, okay, what do you need? Yeah. Wow. And if we're trying to block it off and, and take painkillers to, to feel it and we're, we're pushing up a tampon to, so we don't feel the flow, then, then we're not getting the messages. So we're not connecting. So when we also look at your rose pads, like you said, you can just wash them. I've had a lot of people kind of ask me about that as well. Like, how do you wash it? Do you just pop it in the washing machine? Do you wash it by hand? Do you need to soak it? Like, what what would you say would be the best ways to actually wash your yeah your rose pad? Rose pad. Okay. Well, when I when I wear my rose pad, what I tend to do is. I will, if I'm at home, I rinse it through after I've worn it, um, so the, so the water runs clear. And you can screw it up. You can you can wring it out. It's 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 not going to damage it. And then I hang it up, um, clip it together with the other pads, or or hang it over a hook in my bathroom. And if you imagine, that's not like a pad that's dripping with blood hanging there for everyone to see. It's a clean piece of pretty cloth now after it's been washed yeah. so it's, it's just hanging there it's, it's not offensive and then I'll take the, those pretty cre uh, clean cloths and I'll put them in the washing machine with the rest of the clothes and it can be on a, a 30 degree cycle it doesn't have to be like boiling and, and you just wash them you can either hang them outside in the sun, which is antibacterial in its sun rays, or you can put them through the tumble dryer. They, you know, it, it both work. And, and that's how I tend to do it. If I'm out, then what I do is I, I try and get the pad to be a little more, bit more damp so that it's not going to stain mm. quite so much. And so then I'll fold it in on itself, clip it together, put it in the pad purse. And then when I get home, I'll be, I'll be washing them by hand again, hanging the cloth up and then putting them in the washing machine. Staining-wise... Uh, they only stain if the blood dries so if you if you had your pad and you left it out on the side and you just left it to dry then it's you're going to have a bit of trouble getting the stain out but you can get the stain out um, it just needs some soaking and some rubbing with some organic soap you can soak them which tends to remove any staining um yeah i mean it's it, it's not like you're wearing disgusting stained pads mm. when you once you've rewashed them yeah. I mean, my pads look lovely i mean they're soft and they're they're old but they're they're like my underwear really wow. Not that i wear old underwear but <laughs> you know what i mean you people go oh gosh and it's like well actually no yeah. i feel like i want to show everyone my used pads these are five years old these ones um because they they they, they, they actually i love them more than a new one wow. because they do get softer they get more absorbent as you wash them Exactly. Yeah. And I know especially a lot of people that do wear those pads at night. And I mean, like a lot of people, you kind of sleep until you really have to get up for work. So some people won't necessarily have, you know, the few minutes or whatever to quickly, um, you know, wash the pad. Mm -hmm. 
Um, so what I've also been hearing is a lot of people will kind of have like a small bucket of water, like in their bathroom or whatever, and they'll just pop their pad in there. And, you know, once they come back home and they are a bit more relaxed, then, you know, they'll kind of just rinse it quickly and then it will be in the water for the whole day already so then it's super easy to actually get it nice and clean Mm -hmm. Um, i mean i also take mine in the shower with me so if i'm in that rush which tend to be um i'll just literally get into the shower and and then i'll put it on the floor and then i'll stand on it so whilst i'm showering i'm saving water at the same time (laughs) and i'm like almost you know you know kind of making wine with the with the pad um so it's it's like yeah it's yeah, maybe I shouldn't be saying wine, making grape juice with the pad. <laughs> but yeah, it, it's a way of just, you know, what I then do. So I, I'm, I'm in the shower and I'm squashing the pad underneath my feet and then I wring it out. And then if it's not completely done, I have no time. I'll pop it in a, a jar of water. Awesome. Um, and yeah, and it's done. I mean, the only thing is, is that you just don't put a lid on that jar and then forget about that jar for a few weeks. Yeah. And then, yeah, it's going to smell quite a bit. But And if you do... Um, I haven't I haven't tried for a few weeks, but I have tried for a few days just to do my testing. Then soak it in white vinegar, oh, and wow. that clears any bacteria that may have formed uh, over the, the time of, of leaving it for too long. That's so cool. So, yeah. And just by going back to some of the designs and stuff, I absolutely love the um, the colours. I mean, when you look at it, it's so funny. Um, we've had been like we've been selling some of these at the markets and people just like want to touch it because it's so bright and so colorful and we will link up the website as well so you guys can go and have a look for yourself to actually see the beautiful colors you know so they touch it they hear it's a pad they let it go some people smell it which I find <laughs> not very people weird. smell them don't they it's not a used pad it's clean <laughs> Um, but yeah, it's it's such a such a um, difference from the traditional white pads because when you start with your period and no one has really told you that you know when you have a little bit of blood on that white pad, it is okay to still wear it. You know, every time when you have a drop, people would change. Um, so for me, that's quite quite an interesting thing to actually now you can accessorize your pads you know you've got these beautiful colors and i absolutely love that so what has been the feedback like from the clients that you've had that has gone from the disposable pads and now have been using yours for some time well there's there's been some people like have you got any white ones and i'm like no i don't have any white ones i've got kind of some pale ones um they're like oh yes because i don't want all those bright colors because what if the the dye from from the pad comes on to me and suddenly these people that have been using disposable pads are worried about the the dye from from the pad and i'm like do you worry about the dye coming from your underwear and they're like no and so we're saying difference you know um and they're like oh okay so this you know so so there's this that's the negative kind of uh, feedback that I've had from that but that's been maybe one or two out of the rest of them the rest of them are just like this is like party time in your pants it's it's like it's such a refreshing thing to to do is to bleed onto a pretty pad I mean some people have said you know oh it's too pretty to bleed on and it's like but you're worth it you know how do I put what if I stain them you know and it's this fear of staining and it's it's helping women get over that that idea that 
well, why shouldn't we make our mark? Um, and and the, the prettiness of the pads, I think it's it's part of the celebration. It's it's part of receiving our blood blessing rather than a curse. Um, receiving our blood as as something that we look forward to, which obviously for some is like no way. Uh, but I guarantee you, you can get to that point rather than it being an illness. The sanitary pads. They are so ugly, and they have to have been made by a man, uh, because I just don't believe a woman would, would make that for herself. You know, we buy them, and we've bought them without thinking, because we were told to do that. But actually, when you put your brain down there, and you go, what does she actually want to have held against her down there? Um, and how, how different could it be? And what would make me happy? Then it's like, well, something pretty. And that's exactly what you've created. Yeah. I mean, it's some, I think it's something pretty and something comfortable and something soft. You go, okay, if I've got to bleed, <laughs> then what, what, what would I have to? And if I couldn't wear a tampon, then what? Yeah. Um, so then, then it's okay. Well, you want something that you're going to trust, something that's not going to leak, something that is going to be soft and comfortable and healthy and pretty and made with love. So other than these rose pads, you also offer some courses that mm -hmm. actually help women to celebrate having their periods and the whole journey, like going through this this whole cycle. Can you kind of tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, well, I'm currently offering um, a workshop called Reclaim Reason and Ritual. And there's another workshop that's called Mother's Gift and another workshop called Moon School. And we also occasionally meet with um, autumn women so the reclaim reason and ritual that is a course that ha helps women to reclaim the power of their cycle and so we're not just talking about menstruation we're talking about uh, the beginning of our cycle after we've bled into uh, the middle part of our, our cycle where we ovulate and then into that dreaded space of premenstrual tension uh, that happens for mo a lot of women that but doesn't have to and then we move into that blood space so there are four parts so you're looking at like a spring a summer or autumn and a winter and it's it's within those spaces there's so much to to know about where your body's at the reactions that your body will have and you know it's it's and how you'll be feeling and and also we're connected to the moon and a moon cycle happens to be the same kind of length as our cycles and so she has huge effect on the waters of the planet so she's going to have effects on us and our blood flow so depending on which part we're in whether we're ovulating or we're flowing or we're premenstrual during a full moon it will be an indication of how we'll be reacting to to those hormones and that that part of the cycle that we're in at that time so the the course is an embodied experiential course um, i take women on a journey and it's it's a it's a very different kind of journey and it, it's, it's it's a beautiful journey it's a very feminine beautiful uh, space that is held for these women to explore the different sections of their cycle and then overall to, to just start moving with their own rhythms and and they find immense power in that space and a lot of them find healing in that space and you know it's it, yeah it's powerful then we have mother's gift mother's gift is a workshop for mothers of daughters that are just starting on their journey to womanhood and so it helps them understand their first menstruation uh, which is called menarche and so that when their daughter starts her first blood then 
there are no triggers for the mother. The daughter starting her blood will be about the daughter starting her blood. It won't be this backlog of stuff that we carry about, oh, menstruation, oh, the pain, oh, God, I'm feeling so awful that my daughter's going to start this. Dread, dread, dread. Mm. Your daughter has none of, no idea of that unless you give it to her. And then there's Moon School. The Moon School is uh, a, a workshop series for the young girls starting on their journey to, to womanhood. So they'll be learning about the spring of their cycle, the summer, the autumn and the winter, to understand their hormones, to understand what they need, what they can do for themselves. And just to empower them to understand what's happening within them is something that they can connect with and be proud of, uh, rather than have to push it away and hide it and, and feel ashamed of it. And what I think, when you, we do that, that's what causes the pains and the problems. Wow, so. that sounds really amazing, and I can't actually wait to do Oh, and I one. forgot about autumn. Autumn. Oh, autumn. The autumn is for women that are heading into their perimenopause and menopausal years. Because I thought menstruation was taboo. Menopause is even huger. It's, a, it's a, the massive taboo, because no one dares get old, because there's that invisibility that comes with being over 50, and... You know, and men, menopausal means that you're just of no use. I mean, it's it's craziness. Whereas, you know, there's a, an indigenous saying that says, um, "In maiden, you meet your wisdom. In mother, you practice your wisdom. And in wise woman, you become your wisdom." So this whole idea that a menopausal woman becomes invisible is, I'm sure, a way that has kept women apart from their power. You know, older women are seriously powerful. And it's been a way of controlling that power. Wow. So um, it's time to make a change. It's time for us to invite that power because the, the world needs it. The, you know, Mama Earth, she needs that power from us wise women um, because we've, we've done the mothering stint and we've done the maiden stint. So we've got all of that knowledge. And, and then when we stop bleeding, we, we're, we're not releasing all of that blood and that power. We're retaining that blood and that power. And so that's, that's what we need. We need those women to be the leaders, to, to guide and to listen, to receive the messages from Mother Earth, to tell, her, to tell us what we need to do. Wow, well, so. that sounds fantastic. That yeah. all sounds really great. What has been one of your most important decisions that you have made around Mama Earth? Gosh, my most important decision, or one of them, I think the whole decision to start Woman Space was the hugest decision that I made because I didn't do it for financial gain. I did it because I had to. I did it because the pads had, had helped me so much and they changed my life. And then when I started to open that can of worms that I spoke about and I started to see that there was thousands and thousands and thousands of pads in the landfills that would be there for 500 to 800 years, it wasn't a legacy that I was willing to attribute to. And so Woman's Space was a way of saying, okay, let's change this. Let's stop being disconnected to, to the power of our blood, to our womb space, and, and let's start making a difference. And it was literally like one pad at a time. Let's do this one pad at a time. So that's, that's the decision that I made. Well, yeah, so the final five. First one is... What is one social media account or publication that you actually follow? <laughs> I don't follow at the moment because I'm studying for my master's degree in women's spirituality in San Francisco. I have 
uh, a pile of books probably to you know above my height that I need to be reading and understanding and then coming up with theories on and so any any time that I have outside of work and outside of my four children I am reading those academic books and I'm not an academic so it takes me a good uh, well it takes me a long time Um, so yeah so sorry don't I don't at the moment but I I want to once I finish my master's and what is your hope for Mama Earth going forward my hope for Mama Earth going forward is that we as the human race start to remember and recognize her power and her beauty and to honor her and to to connect with her to understand how we can help her and how we can assist her and it's it's not so much that i believe she needs our help she's way too big and she's way too powerful to need our help uh, we need to work alongside her we need to align with her so that we can remain living on this planet and that the planet is, is a place that is livable and and i want to pass on a, a better planet it, it, with better conditions to our for our children for our future generations and what advice can you give our crazy birds this week to help out mama earth i would suggest that you slow down a little bit take have a cup of tea or have a cup of coffee and sit with a piece of paper and start to listen to some inner voices inside you not the voices in your head but the voice of your womb and to listen to what she might be saying at different times of the month and give a rose pad a chance just one pad at a time so one nighttime pad would mean that you will be putting less waste in the landfills and you would be making your yoni your space between your legs a lot happier and yeah and your your womb you'll you'll start connecting to your womb wisdom so that's what i would like to offer and what is one sustainability fact that you like to use in a room with people not yet on a sustainable journey oh gosh Uh, my my sustainable facts are not very um not very tame they're not they're not very sort of like user friendly so i i think i think the the one that i use predominantly is that a woman uses 17,000 pads in her lifetime and each pad takes between 500 to 800 years to biodegrade and then imagine how many women there are that are using that many pads so now imagine how many pads there are and do you want that as the legacy for our children's children you know do, 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 what, what are they going to be doing with all that plastic wow that's a lot <laughs> yeah so that's and then then yeah then people don't want to talk to me anymore. (laughs) (laughs) And the last one is actually, where can people find you? People can find me online. They can find me on WhatsApp. They can find me, where else can they find me? They can find me on Facebook. They can find me on Instagram. So Instagram is Women's Space me i think oh we'll we'll link it okay up. Yeah, so link you guys can Thank just um have a look in the show notes and we will link up all the social media links right there to yeah. make it easier for you crazy birds to find um so vanessa thank you so much for being on the podcast we really well i've learned a lot um and yeah just need to start to appreciate mm-hmm. when our monthly visitor come and welcome her So yeah, thank you so much for everything. Pleasure. 
That's a wrap. Thank you so much for listening. You can find the show notes for this episode at mamaearthtalk.com. Follow at Design by Mariska on Instagram or email hello at mamaearthtalk.com and let me know if there's a topic you'd like me to talk about. I love hearing from all you crazy birds. New episodes are uploaded every Monday with a bonus Top Tip Thursday every Thursday. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss anything. Mama Earth has a voice and it's us crazy birds. Oh, 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 o